Welcome back to the EAL Show, everybody. Very special guest. Before I get to that, I want to talk to you about a very special rangefinder. Did you find, you finally found the one for life? I, f- I have a rangefinder for life. I got down on one knee. You're going to put a range on it? I got, <laughs> I got down on one knee and I just, I just said, look, I've, I've loved you a long time and now I feel like, you know, I just, I want to have you in my hand. Yeah. You want to go the distance? I want to. <laughs> You're firing on all cylinders today. You know that's not true. <laughs> Precision Pro, uh, really cool to get to meet them again. Yeah. Uh, not meet them, but I guess to say what's up to them in Actually, a nice... What, the same day as this episode was recorded? Yep, yeah, yeah, at the PGA show, and talked with Jonah, the co-founder. Um, you know, and ultimately, we just talked about like what we both want to do, which is make amazing shit and, and, and take dead aim. And not that should be their new tagline. Take take dead licensed, <laughs> just licensed to kill. Like, licensed <laughs> to kill. Take dead aim. Um, I have a certain set of skills. Oh, it's one of those episodes. Oh Jesus! No, we have so much fun content coming y'all's way. Uh, you know, keep an eye out for Breaking Cabo right around the corner. Oh, we oh, just did oh. this incredible trip to San Diego, where, by <laughs> the way, we could have used a Precision Pro rangefinder. We were on someone else's shoot, so we didn't have one. Yeah. And a certain top ten golfer in the world asked for a number. And oh, man, yeah. would I have loved to laser that. Wow, I tried to laser his face. <laughs> yeah, that happened a couple of times. Yeah. Um, and we're just so excited to, to be with you all this spring and, and so grateful that you're, you're choosing to spend this Tuesday morning with us. Welcome in. Uh, and go to precisionprogolf.com slash Eric to get $20 off your next rangefinder. But I guarantee you, that will come back to you. Wait, no, you're spending less. You're going to get, you're going to, it's going to change your life. Yeah, it'll change your life. Uh, and stay tuned. We got a new uh, baggie coming out. And if you filled it with drugs, you would be going to jail. It's that big. Anyway, uh, the NX10 has a slope adjustment, which is kind of sick. I, I turn it on when people aren't looking. Moving on, uh, we got Eric, James. Eric Day. plays a lot of competitive golf. I uh, I don't know how far up it is. Twelve yards, my guess. I don't know. Um, I ever tell you the time I had on meters for like six holes? Yeah, I think I was playing with you. Okay. And I was kind of like, that's weirdly like not the right yardage. Yeah, he's... why am I short and long? I can't remember what the difference is. But I, I, but I'm so bad that I just assumed it was me and didn't say anything. Always. Like, oh man, I guess I just anyway. got to be more confident in ourselves. And someone who's very confident about his knowledge of the game, James Day. Wow, look at you! You are just a walking tether. Yep. You are a leash tied to yourself. Corporate guy. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, we need to do a debrief on the Xander shoot. But James Day, we had a great time in Orlando. He came over to the Airbnb, and uh, we made some jokes about how absurd the Airbnb was. And we talked about his love of the past tied with his also love for the future. But in between there, there's some not love, which you might call hate. But not here. And that's, I think, <laughs> not us. Get, you know, James had some interesting takes, and I love getting down with him. And uh, honestly... Enjoy his voice. Give me a little sound check there, James. Do we need to go super close? Oh, that's good. That's yeah. good. It's kind of like when you get really close. Have you ever gotten super close to a golf ball when someone's hit it and it just you can hear the whizzing? Yeah, when you're up. Well, when you're about fifty yards out, so you can get the good whizzing. The good. Yeah, you actually want to be further away to get the whiz. Yeah, it comes past you. James Day, how do you? Uh, you're you're a Renaissance man, aren't you? Uh, what are you? How would you what how would you define that? Well, you're uh you're involved in the future of golf by the uh by by parchment paper from its origins. I I love the game of golf. I I uh, I'm, I'm so keen on the game of golf. I've I've uh, 
I was, I was thinking about this. I've just dedicated all of my headspace to golf for but kind of all of my life, which somehow I've managed to orchestrate a situation where I've been able to do that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you've, you've orchestrated a few situations. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's, uh, well, first of all, we're in Orlando. Uh, how would you describe the room we're in to those listening? We are in a lovely Airbnb. Um, I don't know. It's uh, is there a pool here? There is. I don't know. I mean, this is the definition of Airbnb in a in a bad way. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't feel lived in, does it? No, I think uh, I think the doors are made out of painted pizza boxes. <laughs> I have stayed. Uh, so this is my. We were trying to work it out. It's it it's, might be my twentieth Orlando. Wow. Yeah. But only but but how many PGA shows within that? PGA well, no, I haven't never come to Orlando other than the PGA show. And oh, that, wow. I came when I was eight to go to Disney World, but other than that, it's always been different this show. Yeah. So I came for the first time to Orlando. Weirdly, um I when I was an assistant pro, uh God, this must be two thousand, maybe two thousand and one, twenty twenty one, maybe maybe even nineteen ninety nine. No, it's probably two thousand or two thousand one. And I had a colleague, uh, a friend of mine, who I was really good friends with, I'm still really good friends with, Mark. Um, and it's a bit of a long story, but I'll get to it. He uh, he lived in Windsor Castle. His dad looked after the Queen's horses. And somehow his mum and dad became friends with Michael McDonald from the Doobie Brothers and his wife. And they used to come over and stay with them in the castle. And I think they were quite you know, blown away by that. So they kind of said, you can use our, our beach house whenever you want which we came up with a bright idea at work that we would go to this place that would be like, you know, MTV Cribs on the beach or whatever. Uh, it was at Grayton Beach. We flew into Pensacola and then it was quite a long drive to get there. And it was in the middle of nowhere. And we didn't hire a car and we were a bit stuck and we got really bored. And we decided to hire a car. We were so bored, we decided to hire a car and drive down to Orlando to go to the PGA show. So that was my first one. Interesting. Interesting to note that back then I would have come to Orlando just because... You know, I wanted to see it and I was into all the new product launches and I'm a bit more miserable about that stuff now. But and so, yeah, we, so we drove down and we came for that. And then uh, a couple of years later, it was getting towards the time of starting Urban Golf. And then it was all about coming and looking at Sims. And, you know, one way or another, I've I've been every year pretty much apart from the COVID year since then. So so I want to I want to go back to the when you said I've become a bit more miserable about it. But before we do that, I just want to explain Urban Golf for those listening that are um not uh, familiar with um, urban golf, which is an experience that I got to see firsthand. We had a really nice walk uh, through London from Folk, who a close friend of yours, great clothing brand, uh, Cathal, we've, we've talked about him a lot. And then we walked from there to urban golf and you didn't walk with us though. We, we met you at urban golf. So I, so, oh, you didn't know this. So I walked for like 45 minutes to go from Folk to urban golf. It's about right. So it's a long walk, maybe 20. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, you may have taken it. Did did Cathal bring you? I'm not sure if he's renowned for his sense of direction. But he, <laughs> I think I did that walk. I was thinking about this. That I was having a bit of a moment. I was like, oh, Cathal, you could come to me every now and again. I haven't oh, mentioned this to him. But yeah, the week before I came, I think I did that walk about four times. So uh, if you yeah, if you work out the route, it's about 20, 25 yeah. minutes, let's call it. I just remember it being like the windiest route where it's just like you're going, you know, left, right, left, right, left, right. And that's London in a nutshell, I guess. But anyway, we arrived on Urban Golf and uh, dude, it's just like it's um, if you live in London, and you haven't been, first of all, like wake up. If you if you uh, if you haven't been to London and you want to imagine it, it's 
it felt like I was walking into, um, you know, that show, uh, the, the first, um, Oh, what's the movie, uh, where they, uh, where they, it's, it's with, um, uh, oh man, I'm going to butcher this for trying referencing it. Goodfellas. No. Okay. Goodfellas. Okay. That's, I like that. You could have brought you in through the kitchen. I was thinking, um, what's the honor majesty's secret service? The, like the, the like spy movie, the first one. Well, I don't not the uh, recent or yeah, it's very recent, but it's like it's like it's like the they the the spies, and then there's like the joke at the end about anal sex, and it's like it's like come on, you know that one? You don't know? It's not Tinker Taylor. No, no, there's two, and the and the character is like he's one of the guys from um, Love Actually, the guy who goes to Brazil. Oh, and he plays a spy, and he's got like a bunch of junior spies. What's it called? You know it. John's got it. It's not Kingsman, is it? It's, it is the Kingsman. Yeah, Kingsman. Kingsman and her Secret Service or whatever. It, it's got that kind of style where it's like, you know, like that movie's the movie style, but like it's very classy is what I'm trying to say. And Good Goodfellas is a, is a maybe an easier example for everyone to get. But um, but you walk in and it's like a golf experience that feels like elevated and like, um, I don't know, like like cool. Which well, I we guess tried is, to, like, I think it's, it's interesting because... Um, 20 years in we started the business 20 years ago um it feels like indoor golf is finally taking off you know we were so early to the party and um as a result you know there is competition now and so we have to start thinking about oh who are we relative to the other people in the market and i think my big belief is that indoor golf is all about playing golf you know it's it's great to be able to come down and take a lesson and practice and measure all your angles and all this stuff but for me it's all about playing golf you know it's all about coming down with your friends you know, maybe having a couple of beers, having cool music on and doing this thing, which is such good fun, you know, playing golf for hours competitively with your pals. Um, and for me, you know, I am, uh, I could, probably could be considered a bit uncompromising with my views on golf and I'm a bit of a purist <laughs> when it comes to golf. But, and it's not just because it's my business. Um, I love playing golf on the simulators, you know, especially at this time of year. I mean, we, we play... Uh, that little room that you came down to. I mean, uh, John. He's got the VIP suite in the back, dude. There's like yeah, a glass door. There's like there's like eight bays and a bar, but then you go through this glass door and it's like, oh, this is where the fucking the this is where the owner plays. And it's and then behind that, this Landon, you have to come, dude. Behind the the what do you call your spot? The VIP spot, the the owner spot. We call it the bunker. It's not. It's you know we do rent it out. I get a bit grumpy when it gets rented out, but mm. um, I'm sure you do. And then we got the workshop. The workshop is in the way back, and that's where, like, uh, that's where you really see James. That's you in the way back, I think. Yeah, uh, it's it's funny with the workshop because uh, we opened Smithfield in two thousand and six, and um, I've always been passionate about making clubs. And there was this space down the back, which was uh, which was sort of a little bit carved out and wasn't on the plans. And I and I put a workshop in there. Uh, off kind of off the grid a bit uh didn't really sort of say too much about it right uh, and probably only noticed about um a year ago maybe that people quite like going in there it was through uh our friends who you would have met at the open the cookie jar guys oh, when I they did their guys. event and and people were coming back there and they thought it was really cool so it had always just been this sort of really messy odd place that it was all to myself and nobody ever went in there but since then the last year or so people have started to come back and wanting to look through the rack and sure it's uh i mean that rack is slightly out of control i i do i i um i have a bit of a sort of odd 
uh, obsession with equipment and sometimes I'll look back I'll, I'll wake up one morning and I'll think about a club that I loved you know from 15 years ago and then you know, first I'll thought be, I'll you be, wake up and you're no, like, not every morning but it will happen you know <laughs> it will be the most recent one uh it's a bit niche is like they did they, they most oh, guys they, wake up and think about something else yeah yeah um <laughs> But there's some, there, so like I bought an old Wilson fire stick recently with the Railer sole, like the old tailor-made ones designed yeah. by Larry Bobka back in the 80s. And, and you pick these clubs up for nothing. Nobody knows what they, what, what they are or, you know, I'm right. picking stuff up. I mean, I do buy some more expensive stuff, but a lot of the stuff in that rack I'd have picked up for, you know, sub $50. So, so we're, I need to get to this miserable thing because, but, but, but before we do that, one more thing. So, uh, right. So urban golf, right? So it's it was at the head is ahead of its time, right? Uh, maybe maybe the first indoor golf space in London. Yeah. Whoa, I mean, dude, that's a fucking that's a title. That's uh, but but what's interesting is that um, how old are you know your favorite set of clubs that you play with? Uh, that I play with. Um, so I was recently. I've been changing irons a lot this year. Sure. I don't necessarily change the spec. I mean, you have hundreds I, of sets of clubs. Let's yeah, face it. Let's just I, get that clear to everyone listening. You have hundreds of children that you put in the bag, and you don't care. Well, the ones I use will all. I will have rebuilt them, so they will all be the right. I might vary. You know, certain. Oh, see, my problem is I know you're going to say the Mira Five Hundred Ones, aren't you? No, the this is my favorite. Well, the Muras that I got. Um, that I do a lot. I, I play blades, but this I think this Mura CB57 that they stopped making. Yeah, uh, I the, think that's the greatest cavity back ever made. The, the ones that Nicholas played at uh, the end after he stopped playing competitively. Yeah, so they're the ones that got Nicholas into Mura, basically. Yeah, I think because Nicholas owns Mura now. Yeah, FYI. Yeah, we don't talk about that, but isn't there a bit of a legal dispute about Nicholas and the companies <laughs> and all that? So anyway, that's another. The thing. bigger you get, the more legal um, disputes. Yeah, but I've got a nice set with me this week, and what they're quite got? unique. This is a bit nerdy. Is it too Here nerdy? Here we go. So, Here uh, we go. It, somehow, it, it, pl plug your ears if there's any children listening. <laughs> somehow, I got my hands on a set of of Mura blades that had been made for Nick Price. Oh, I've seen these. They, yeah, they were in the. Uh, they in were the just in heads. They were sat on the bench yeah, in and heads, said, and I it and said I've, NP on them. NP, but they they're unique because. Um, the, with the mirrors they made the baby blade which is the tiny one mm -hmm. and the baby blade has a different hosel which is really thick and this is the only set of mirror blades with the old school bigger it's it's a blade but it's bigger than the baby blade but with the thicker hosel <laughs> pretty niche nobody so what is what does a big hosel do it's supposed to make them uh, less draw biased oh interesting you can't turn them over and we all know nikki price he was trying not to hook it yeah uh, was so, that true well, i'm guessing but um but I brought those, them away with me on this trip, having never used them before, which is a bit high tariff. And, and, the, and those are the ones that have the kind of like the the car logo on them, the spelled out Mira. Yes, they've got the old and they've started making, they've released a limited edition set now with yeah. the old logo. See, I, I think was the old logo is cooler. Because when I went to Japan, I said, can I get a set of clubs with that logo? And they said, no. And, and they took like, that idea and, and turned it like, into a limited you edition. <laughs> you immediately just took that idea and then... I mean, but that's a trend that anyone can spot, right? Even Foot Choice has been doing it, right? They, they got smart and they went back to the old logo. And um, okay, so so uh, you know, first guy to do something in London in terms of the future of golf, which would obviously become replicated in hundreds of thousands of locations around the world very shortly after. But you're obsessed with old golf clubs. Is that it? Is that does that sum it up? Or well, but, but, was... but you're unwilling to. But I guess what I'm saying is now tell me about the miserableness 
of of what the PGA show is about because the PGA show is great. Obviously, we love it. You're here. Why would you come 20 times if it wasn't great? I'm assuming that's mostly because of the people, which is what I love. But why is it miserable? Um, Just tell so us. So I guess the start <laughs> the start of this is that I think I I. I think that golf needs a bit of a craft beer revolution, I call it. So, you know, with the craft, the craft beer revolution was like all these people started to decide that they wanted something different. You know, they wanted something that was a bit more artisanal and they knew where it was made. And what I loved about the craft beer revolution was that the big brands got caught off guard and something changed really quickly. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I loved that. I thought that was cool. And I think with golf, what's happened is, is that the, um, you know, when we go out and we play golf, we there's a, there's an opportunity every time that we go out there's an opportunity for just magic to happen um and because of the way that the industry operates so the way that we're told we have to learn the game you know so you go for a golf lesson and somebody looks for faults and tells you what you're doing wrong and then tries to geometrically tell you to manipulate the club into different positions so then when you go on the course you've got a head full of thoughts uh, you know we're told to buy the latest driver and we're going to hit it further and all this stuff and I think it kind of takes away from the magic and the reason I think that is just because um, all of that sort of conscious mind thinking when you're out there it's it stops you from you know when you have that moment when you hit the perfect shot or where you just you know you have that great day and it's all it's all flowing and it's all happening perfectly I think a lot of the stuff I think that there's a lot of things that could that could change and we're, we're, we're always told we should be you know play what the pros play you know play like the pros go for marginal gains but the way we get true joy out of the game is that we play on the edge and we try and be creative and we try and create something every time we hit a shot and it's an opportunity to sort of just connect with that bit of ourselves and I, I listened to your when I was on the plane I listened to your podcast with Claire Hogle I thought it was great really um, great right yeah and I think that you know you would she was talking about um you know how golf is a reflection of life and and all of that stuff and I agree with that but I also think golf is a practice which is sort of which can connect us with that bit of ourselves where we can just let go and we can do great things you know when you sometimes when you hit a great shot I mean think of all the factors that have to line up yeah. to hit a great shot it's not something you can do in your conscious mind you have to let go to do it and that's why i think the practice of golf is so brilliant and i think sometimes because it the, you know the industry naturally falls into a position where um i always say it's kind of plausible stories capitalizing on human frailty and you know it's it, we we want to believe i think it's Whoa, that, uh, john, wait, wait. Showed, john showed me a quote earlier which is uh the, the uh the deepak chopra quote which is golf is a billion dollar industry built on hope you know it's wait it, Deepak said that yeah and it's and as adults I think what happens is you know we learn to play golf um and when we hit bad shots we feel silly and we have this natural reaction to that as adults not to want to feel that way again and so we're desperate for somebody to tell us that there's a club that's more forgiving that will tidy up that shot or there's a swing thought or there's some sort of thing that you can do repetitively that would that will sort of take that feeling away and I think we've got to get back to trying to, you know, it's like a kid learning to walk. They get up, they fall over, they get, they don't ask why, they just get up and do it again. And eventually they learn to walk. And I think, you know, as amateur golfers, you know, it, it, there's something lovely about just going out there and being creative and, and letting go a little bit. And, and a lot of the, the, uh, the, the world of golf that sits on top of the game um, takes away from that, I think. Yeah, so, the business of golf. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, you're right. You know, I think it's crazy to me that as as I look back on when I got into golf, like one of the 
like initial fascinations or, or like one of the initial, um, you know, like obsessions was about equipment, right? Cause you, you, it's like, a, a um, it's like, a, um, propaganda, right? There's, there's this, there's this, um, you know, insistence that like you need the right clubs. We want to believe it. Yeah. You know, we want to believe it. It's like, you know, drivers have been on the distance limit for 15 years and every year a driver comes out that goes a bit further, but it's just, yeah. it can't be true. It just can't be, but everybody wants to believe it. And it's, it's in the rules. If you read the rules of golf, the driver can't go any further. It's crazy. The well, you know, what's funny is if you zoom out, right? So today we were at demo day and I had never been. And so if you've, if you've never been to demo day, it's a, it's a massive driving range, but that's a circle. And so what, if you really think about it, it's kind of funny if you think about like just zooming out like the concept of like, okay, so here we are. Every golf brand that you can imagine that makes a golf club or a golf tool or has a golf additional element and they're all essentially hitting balls at each other. <laughs> can somebody hit a bad enough snap hook at demo day to take someone out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's kind of wild right like it's this it's just like kind of like a new yorker cartoon like it's like a joke like all these brands just like hitting balls at each other and you know i mean and and actually i i feel like i should share one anecdote from my life which is that um <clears throat> i uh was invited to the pga show by akbar and uh this is like my first time ever like five years ago and i was like insistent on not going like i was like i do not want to go because that was, I had been playing golf long enough and I had been filming it a little bit and I knew that I just like didn't like golf brands. I don't know why, but I just didn't like it because for me, like you were saying, it was pure, right? The golf, the game of golf for me was twilight. It was whatever was in my bag and it was, you know, it was a walk. Um, and I, I insisted on not going and, um, I ended up going because he said he would pay for my flight. And uh, that was a cheap date. Right? Was, was this a, when, uh, I think it was when the golf day was at Winter Park, right? Yeah, I remember exactly, that. yeah. Yeah, that, exactly that. That was, and he hosted it. And then the next time I came back, I hosted it and we had a meetup. But, you know, I went and it just like, honestly, like I saw, what's funny is about this is like, what's really funny is like, you're right. Like you've got this like propaganda, this paradigm of all these brands, but that's actually just a few people in a boardroom and they're going to do that somewhere, some way, somehow. And the stockholders are going to insist on whatever. And the marketing team is going to do this and that. And you know, there's, a, there's probably a hundred people that actually care, but there's probably a, a million people that love golf so much that they were like, I'm going to work in golf. And you're one of those people. Right. And, and you come, even though you're like kicking and screaming, but, and I was one of them too. And now I come and I love it because it's mostly just about like seeing your friends that have decided, hey, you know what? I don't want to go do that job. I want to go do this job and I want to be around golf and be around golfers. That's absolutely right. And and I think, you know, the interesting thing, the point you just made about the boardroom and the companies making these decisions. I mean, that's true until the point that we demand something different. Whoa. So, you know, if if we as amateurs go, do you know what? I'm not really that interested in those pros talking of squabbling over money and live tour or PGA tour yeah. or all that stuff. You know, we're the, we're the people, you know, we're the people that go out and play golf on the weekend. And, you know, I was saying this to John last night and it might sound a bit corny, but I actually think we decide to take this time 
to go out and spend this large amount of time playing golf. And there's something sacred about that. Yeah. And we should treasure it and we should try and get, you know, I, I, I play golf with people sometimes and I just think to myself, you know, you get so wrapped up in the things that you think you should be doing and it's taken away from the joy of playing the game. And I think that's a real shame. And I, that's why I say that I think um, this is the first time. So the last few years, so I, I remember when I first started the business, um, 2003, um, there was the, when I started Urban Golf, we got a lot of press because there was this big news story that took off, which is, oh, golf's becoming cool. Justin Timberlake plays golf. Jay Lindbergh had just come out. That's yeah. how I met Louis because Louis came in to run Jay Lindbergh for Europe. And I was like, oh, I want my staff to wear Jay Lindbergh uniforms. And the guys started Trendy Golf at that time as well. And we were all starting our businesses at the same time. And it was this time where there was, something was supposed to change, but nothing changed. Um, and uh, now what's happening is there is this emerging thing. And I think it's still quite small. And that's why it's so brilliant what you're doing. And you know, I remember looking at um, quite early on when you were doing Be The Ball, um, I sent you an email back then, by the way. You didn't reply. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I have, it, it's almost done. I can send you a link if you I want. I would love that. And I, and I thought that was so great. And I thought that was, you know, and I loved all the, the like the focus band stuff. And I thought, yeah. wow, you know, this, and, and definitely there is this emerging thing, you know, people are starting to carry half sets and they're starting to buy like the nice golf bags with the single straps. And, yeah. you know, something is actually changing now. Back then, nothing changed. Yeah. Um, and so something is happening now and that's really exciting. And, and our friend, um, our good friend who you would have met at St. Andrews at the Open, Matt Dyke. Sure. Um, he has this this mantra, which is grow the category. You know, he's like, you guys are not competing. You're com what you're competing with is big golf. Right. Um, and uh, Matt I, Dyke was the one who walked me from folk to urban golf. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. And I think you had the epic journey home with Matt, didn't you? With the train lines melting and all that stuff. Oh, my God. <laughs> the train broke. Yeah. We had to get on a plane. We went to a hotel. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's, you know, Scotland and England, you know, they're, they're, they're not as close as you'd think in many ways. <laughs> yeah. And so, and sometimes when, and when things are changing, that's when opportunities come along, you know, yeah. so it's really exciting from a business perspective. You know, we, we had a, a meeting with, um, with somebody this morning who is you know, somebody looking to, looking, I love to, it. looking to investing somebody new to the golf who's looking to invest in golf companies and you know and that was what we talked about you know where is change going to occur and you know there are going to be these shifts in golf and there's there's right. a shift in consumer habits as well so this is I've never was felt the meeting as, with SoftBank yeah <laughs> I wish uh, you know there, there's I I think that um I started my business when I was really young yeah and I think probably through my 30s, I might have been a bit sleepy, you know, things. What do you mean? Well, we had three sites and, you know, we, I was ticking along with my three sites. I was quite happy. I was, you know, uh, doing that. And, and I was also going through a bit of an interesting journey with golf at that time, probably as well. Um, but I'm really buzzed now about what's happening in golf. And I think that, you know, there is still this big behemoth, but there is there is change at least. There are the, the little sprouts coming through of change. Sure. And, you know, we've got a great, really lovely and great brilliant group of people and i'm finding it's much better for me to be in a in a group of people who can fill in for quite a lot of my weaknesses so yeah. i was on my own for a long time so yeah i feel very excited about what's going on at the moment yeah it's interesting you know like i kind of have the same experience where like um you know i feel like i feel like i came to golf and i was like what the fuck is going on here this is like this is like a great game that every single one of you is fucking up whether it's like I go to the golf course and like I'm like as though like uh, you know I'm annoying somebody, 
or like you go play the round and it's like this is like super it's like why am i just standing here the whole time or whatever it is or like um you know you go to the golf store and it's like the guy's like you need a lesson and i'm like why are you making me feel bad about it bro like you do too you work in a golf store you know what i mean like whatever it was it just it just was like this kind of weird uh experience of sign of like even even in public golf experiences i felt like outside of it and um and then it was it's been interesting to kind of um it's been interesting to watch that change as as self-publishing becomes more possible and as and as uh you know even like it's been interesting to watch just even the last few weeks like a lot of news about large golf club companies working instead uh focusing a lot of attention on creators as opposed to players which is, I think, kind of cool. Content is the new player endorsement. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Yeah, it is. I, I feel think like we should is. make a deck that sounds like that. Yeah, <laughs> I think it is, and it, it's a, it's a, it's a new way in. You know, it was like before; it was just all about, you know, everybody just, you know, was talking about our oh, tightness, play what the pros play, you know. Yeah. And now there's just this, there is this opportunity for other people to kind of creep in. Yeah. And to upset the apple cart a little bit, which is healthy. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. It's absolutely. And I think that's, that's probably a theme. I don't know, like even now here, you probably see that even, I don't know the, the show hasn't really started yet. So what are you looking for, you know, at this, at this PGA show being in the golf industry? Like, well, I mean, you own, you own like a, you own a space. You're also a partner in a, uh, a golf apparel company, which obviously you know about if you're listening to this, cause you saw our collaboration with Sounder. Um, what are you what are you like interested in um so my, my twin the the main reason for my 20 visits has re, has really been so we represent the uh, simulates company about golf okay we use urban golf so we represent them for europe so we put simulators into people's houses and commercial locations or oh, i didn't know that yeah so that sort of sits on the side so we always come because we meet up with them and we go over staff and it's a good, good opportunity to be face to face so that's sort of always been the main reason right and uh, as the years have gone on, it's it's been less about uh, kind of going around the show and just looking for stuff. I usually might spend half a day kind of going around the show, but really it's always been and about... You just, then you walk out as you throw up in a trash can. Yeah, meeting up and... Uh, <laughs> I find it's sensory overload, the show. I can it is a do, lot. I can only do half a day. It's a lot. Um, so we do that. And then uh, John and I have got um, meetings this week. We really want to try and give Sounder a bit of a push in the USA now. Cool. Um, so we've got a few meetings to, on that. And, um, and that's it really. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We just come and do that. So, um, we'll go to a quick break. Uh, everybody will be right back. Okay. If saving more and spending less is one of your top goals for 2023, guess what? It's time to shine. Why are you still paying insane amounts of money every month for your phone bill? No answer, huh? That's what I thought. Switching to Mint Mobile is the easiest way to save this year as the first company to sell premium. Say it, John. Pre- yell it. Premium. You hear that? Even John wants premium mobile service, and it's the easiest way to do it. We know it because it saved our ass this past weekend. I have it in my phone, thanks to the guys at Mint, and we were at Tory Pines, and it's just impossible to get service to call an Uber unless you have Mint Mobile, which got us back to where we were going. You remember that Instagram post we did? I got to thank Mint Mobile for that. Got us online in no time. New tagline. You can have it. Uh, and it's only $15 a month. Whoa. That's right. Are we lying? I can't lie on the pod. No, it's that. It feels it feels wrong because it's so cheap and yet so good. You know what's crazy? Just real quick, I want to zoom out here. I love the flavor mint and I love the color mint. 
and you love being mobile. And I love, yeah, I also love 15 bucks a month. Uh, so if you're looking for extra savings, they offer a premium wireless for just 15 bucks. You can go online and eliminate the traditional costs of retail, and they pass the savings onto you. And you're not skipping anything because all plans come with unlimited text and talk, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Anyway, use your phone with Mint Mobile plan and switch easily in minutes with the eSIM. Switch to Mint Mobile and you will get premium wireless service during 15 bucks a month. Go to mintmobile.com slash EAL show and you're going to get a plan shipped to your door for fucking free and it's going to be 15 bucks a month. That's confusing. But anyway, mintmobile.com slash EAL show. Cut your wireless bill down. We had some time together at the open, which was a lot of fun. Um, do you have like, you know, you, you're kind of one of these people I think that has played golf in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, like you've, you've, uh, you played a lot of spectacular golf courses. You're a very good golfer. Um, what for you, like, I'm curious to know if you have like a, well, you know, like, cause a lot of people come to me and say like, what's your favorite golf course? And I'm like, nah, it doesn't really, that's not really the question. So I'm wondering like for you, like what's the question? Do you know what I mean? Like, like what is it about for you? Like, like what, when you're like, when you're on the golf course and you get that feeling where you're like, wow, there's only one question, isn't there? Okay. What is it? Why do you play? Well, there you go. Yeah, that's, I guess, the question then. I think it's, you know, it, that, that, that question, I was listening to something um, with one of the golf psychologists. Um, I can't think what his name is. And he basically said, I thought it was really interesting. It was a couple of weeks ago. I was listening to it. He said, you, you have ego players and craft players. And ego players, there's not that there's anything, you know, ego is probably, you might think that's a, a negative thing. But ego players are all about, they're just, that's how they're wired, right? They want to, it's all about the score. Uh, it's all about getting the handicap down. It's all about winning. And then the craft players are the players who it's all about the craft of hitting the shots. And so I, my buzz is all about the shots. And in recent years, I've tried and it's, I never thought, I didn't think I would, to be honest with you, because I, I sort of, I grew up playing golf and I was, I was pretty good as a junior. Um, and uh, I left school very young. As soon as I possibly could. I, it's just, I <laughs> How old? 15. Yeah. Uh, you're allowed to leave school at 16 in the UK, but yeah, I, was I was the youngest 16. kid in my year. So by the time I'd done my GCSE exams, it was due. It was like, I can't take I was it out. anymore. Uh, I was very unpopular with my family for that. <laughs> uh, my dad in particular. But um, and but what the problem was, was that I, I had probably at that time, only looking back, I know this, I just attached like a lot of my kind of, I put all my eggs in that basket. Right. And I mean, we all know what it's like, but you know, as a, as a kid playing in big stuff and, and having all of that, that, that sort of, um, because we play golf on our own and actually it's all about us. Yeah. You know, if it, in your own personal game, it's lovely to go out with people and have that camaraderie where you, where you want each other to hit good shots and everything, but it's a very personal thing. And as a kid, when you are sort of saying to people, I'm putting all my eggs in this basket, you feel this massive amount of pressure playing in tournaments. Right. And I had so many like really dark times, you know, where um, I would get, <laughs> I would basically go into tournaments nervous. Right. And then, and then if I played well, <laughs> and if I started to do well, I could get, you know, cause I wanted it so bad. 
and I wanted to show everyone and I wanted to like, you know, this is, and I can do this. Um, and I would have meltdowns, you know, nearly every time I go into a good pitch situation in tournament, I would have meltdowns. Around what? What was the shot that just had you? It would be, um, I think what happens is, you know, people talk about flow state and things like that. Yeah. And then I think when you get to that level of anxiety, just you, you, shit doesn't work, right? <laughs> you, can't, you can't perform that, that amazing thing that we can sometimes do and we can't do it all the time, but you know, you just can't do it. Right. Um, so, you know, I would, I would usually make a massive number somewhere. Right. Um, and it hurts. What's a massive know, number? Like a 10 or I'd do something stupid. <laughs> I, I once played, I, I played in the McGregor trophy, uh, the year that Justin Rose young. So the McGregor trophy is the, is the, uh, English under 16s open. Okay. Uh, Radcliffe on Trent in Nottingham. That was, yeah, Justin Rose won that year. Anyway, um, I had my brother on the bag and I, it was the first time I ever played in a tournament with leaderboards and it was windy. And I didn't think I was playing that well, but I was not, I wasn't, making silly i wasn't I hadn't made any silly mistakes i went past the leaderboard on the 14th hole of the first round and i was in second place there you go that's good news i missed the cut of. yeah oh man yeah it's just and it, so and it's it's hard it's kind of hard to deal with that so anyway to cut a long one short then i turned then i decided i left school and i was under quite a lot of pressure from my dad i was, I was basically playing full-time golf and it was great um, and working in a restaurant in the evenings and uh, the assistant pro job came up at our home club and my dad was just like Look, why don't you do this you could do your PGA training you've got something to fall back on so I did that but then I'm a pro right, right. I'm playing in like really crappy pro events like the just the worst right it's just like the our region you know you were playing these terrible golf courses you know it was really <laughs> uninspiring it was awful um but then that was like even more pressure and you know more meltdowns and um and what happened is when i started urban golf i'm 24 um and i didn't need to i it, all the pressure fell away i didn't need to teach at that time at that point in my life i was teaching for quite a few years um and i just i played it's like you know when you see somebody go off into the mountains and like hot shots or something like that then you right. know, i literally played nothing golf i i was still a pro so i couldn't play in any amateur events i couldn't get a handicap it's quite strict it's loosened up a bit now and so for 12 years still obsessed with the game still trying to play well but i did not mark a scorecard for 12 years oh wow yeah yeah, you went on a journey. Yeah, and then I and and I loved it, and I traveled, and I played, and I built, you know, loads of great golfing pals, and did all this stuff. But I just had this moment where I just thought, man, maybe I need to like do something. So I applied for my amateur status back, which took two years. What? Yeah. Why does it take so long to go backwards? I'd been a pro for seventeen years at that point. And so, what are they trying to determine? Like, are they trying to make sure you don't win? Like, uh, like I had to. I had to fill in these forms. I had to, and bear in mind, I'd earned about 100 quid as a pro, right? Yeah, right? Like, <laughs> you know, it's like, what is going on here? Yeah, so I had to fill in all these forms. I had to send them to the RNA. It was asking me about tournament winnings and all this stuff, which was a bit traumatic, you know? <laughs> and then uh, and then I get this letter back from the RNA, and they'd, they'd done all the work. Amazing organization, the RNA, super efficient. They'd done all this stuff, and they came back and said, well, actually, this is what you did. This is where you picked up checks. They had all the information. So it's like the IRS. Yeah, and it, and they just said, you know, standard thing, you know, because of, because of the length of time I'd been a pro, you've got to wait two years. So then just wait two years. And then in 2017. So wait two years, don't play in any more pro events. Say nothing, yeah. And don't play in an amateur event. Basically, 
basically how bad do you want it no man's land oh yeah. man well, i've been purgatory. in no man's land anyway so yeah um and then um well, when you got that letter were you like what the fuck i kind of knew what they were gonna say yeah so <laughs> but then so then um i get my amateur status back i joined a golf club um had loads I of get- joined at Highgate and then um I got into a really cool golf society um where it's, we play scratch foursomes with 36 hole matches with a lunch in the middle what's a scratch foursome so foursomes alternate shot yeah um so we're a foursomes golf society all the matches are scratch we have three dinners scratch means you all play off zero yeah so it's, okay. it's good good players got it it's quite posh I'm, I think I must be some sort of diversity drive is it <laughs> And <laughs> like let yeah. James, he's got long hair. So wait, so so and is it at a course or it's a We don't have a course. Oh uh, wow. We, we have three dinners a year, black tie in a in a sort of gentleman's club in London. Amazing. And we make matches. So we organize matches. We say, right, we're gonna take you on at this venue, and then after dinner we bet on the matches. And we also play matches against other societies. So I got straight into that society and it's been the I mean it's just the greatest What's it called? Can you the moles. The what? The moles. M O L E S? Yeah. Like the things that go underground? Yeah. What is the moles? Uh, how does that relate to the overall like mission of the society? I don't know why it's called the moles. <laughs> I don't know why. The but moles. the moles has, it's amazing history the moles has. Uh, one of the things about the history of the moles is that we uh, we beat the US Walker Cup side in in the late 20s. Bobby Jones what? was on the team. Francis Wiemet was on the team. Whoa. Yeah. We took them drinking on the first night when they flew in. And then, and then the cars turned them. up to take them out to Woking Golf Club and it was a completely different group of guys. Amazing. <laughs> amazing. So that's... Do you, so that, that's, do you still get to play the Walker Cup team? No. I would hope Things not. have changed. The gentlemen amateurs <laughs> aren't quite what they used to be. But... Um, yeah, so that's been great. And I would love to see you matched up against the young Jordan. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. God, it's trounced. Um, and then uh, we've... Um, I've joined at Rye. Have you played at Rye? I haven't yet, but I've been wanting to. Yeah, and I'll be um, out in England in May playing a few courses. You've got to come down to Rye. Yeah, you get the train two hours door okay. to door. Fantastic, it's old Bufty, but lovely. Bufty, um, what does that mean? Bufty means like old English posh. And okay, the but, course or the train? No, the train's not good. Okay, uh, you know <laughs> the, the course, the, the course, the club so, Yeah, we have to put a jacket and tie on for lunch. Oh, okay. We can only play two balls and okay. Well, that's a bit like you George's, can only play two like balls and George's more Mirrorfield kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and John and I are both members at Royal North Devon, which is the yeah. oldest club in England. Have you been there? I haven't yet, but uh, Dan Dan almost lured us down there. Dan, who introduced me to that place. So yeah, yeah, horses and sheep on the course. Fantastic. We have three meetings a year where we go down and we play all the competitions and everyone goes down. It's brilliant. Yeah, it's really, uh, you're describing a world that sounds very like uh, jovial and fun and like celebratory around the game. Yeah, so then... and. But then the thing was, so 2017, I had to get used to marking scorecards again. Right. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, I've always had this slight issue with a questionable short game. Yeah. Good putter, have issues with chipping. <laughs> uh, so I've had to find a way of overcoming that. So and, and when you start out, you start off of scratch. Oh, gosh. Um, and then bear in mind, we only adopted the uh, world handicapping, the US handicapping system, I guess, um, year and a half ago yeah so our handicapping system before that was that every bad round you have you just go up by 0.1 so it takes a long time to go up yeah so you so were playing a lot real quick. i went all the way up to four <laughs> yeah in quite and then didn't take me that long and then i and then i worked my way back down and i got to, i worked my way back down to two and then new handicapping system came in and actually we all got cut um then we i got back down to scratch so you had to start over 
No, uh, but because of the way that the the, the, the world handicapping system yeah. works, it was just. I think under the UK handicapping system, if you were two in England and you were probably the equivalent of a scratch in America. It yeah. was just a bit more. It was just a bit more harsh. Yeah. So then, yeah, and then I got put down, and then and then I went down a bit more. I got into pluses, and I went back up at the end of last year. A little bad run, but yeah, I'm, and <laughs> I feel like I've kind of found my feet with it. You know, it's definitely still a bit chaotic. Yeah. Um, John says when things go wrong, John says it's on brand for me. So what's the so in the last three months, what's the highest number you've ever taken on a hole? Oh, well, we haven't been playing much. <laughs> oh, because it's been cold. Yeah. 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 So I've just been playing on the sim. I'm really good on the sim. 12 foot gimmies, perfect lies. You know, I don't ever, I, I don't I don't know the last time I wrote a score down. I actually saw my scorecard on some, I was in the passenger of the cart yesterday. We were on the carts. And I noticed that someone put a smiley face on one of the holes. <laughs> I've got mixed emotions with it. I, I think that there's something really lovely about playing without score in your head at all. But then yeah. I also think, there is just this bit of me that wants to achieve something playing golf. Yeah. And um, one of my things was about, you know, having my name up somewhere on a board oh, in a clubhouse yeah. or whatever. Forever. And it just like a few things. And I'd, I'd like to Your do. Your name would look good there. James yeah. Day. Well, I've done just it now. etched in where? At Highgate. So it's not, I'd like to have it up a bit somewhere a bit more. Correct. Oh, you want to be on one of the rotor courses? Yeah. I had a little, but I had a little run. I won uh, three out of four club championships. Whoa, yeah. At Highgate? <laughs> Yeah. Did you make a lot of friends or or lose any? You think lose friends? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I don't think I particularly upset anyone. Because are you playing to be the club champion? It's just uh, it's just uh, it's gross, right? It's mm. not. Yeah, and you know, total surprise. You know, some pretty chaotic back nines in the sev second round. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so that was nice. And then I'd like to really, I'd love to do well in something that's sort of four rounds. I'd like to be able to get into something good and do well. But right. You know, it's not the be all and end all. I just think it's something which um, I want to be able to do it in the right way. I want to be able to try and do it in a way which, you know, I'm still being creative. Yeah. I'm not kind of trying to do this, that, that repetition thing kills me. Yeah. You know, when, when it's like, oh, you learn a swing and then you just repeat it around the course. And, yeah. you know, that pros can kind of do that. But I don't think, you know, I think amateurs could learn more from Bubba Watson than Justin Rose. Interesting. You know, I yeah. really do. Because, uh, you know, um, we're never going to be able to do those, do what Justin Rose does. You know, Justin Rose has this move, yeah, grinds it and walks it around the course. Yeah, you know, Bubba Watson plays on instincts, and I think actually, you know, some a lot of times we think we're not good enough to do that. I think it's the other way around. Right, I really do. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I like I like that way of you, yeah, just picturing like plop Justin Rose next to the ball, hit it. And then, yeah, you, you definitely see Bubba, and he's just like much more like flexible in the way he hits shots. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that one in the Masters. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> um, I think we learn by the problem is the way that we're the version of the game that's pushed across by the world of golf. My, my friend Martinez, who's a great golf coach, has this has this saying, which is the world of golf has gotten a long way from the game. Interesting. And so, yeah, we we learn by by trying to get onto the edge and trying to play a little bit on the limit and trying to figure things out and being creative that's what that's how we develop skills right and um you know if you if you're if you're just trying to make us this the hit these swing positions and do all this stuff really takes away from that i think it's a win-win if you don't do that because actually you're going to have more fun right but you're going to play better too yeah. so 
you know, how many times does our sort of human instinct in certain situations, you know, sometimes a human instinct based on fear, so maybe fear of hitting a bad shot, oh, yeah. makes the bad shot more likely to happen. Yeah, that's a hard one though. Yeah, it's Because it's like, <laughs> I mean, that's that's not an easy one to unpack with your clubs on your shoulder. No, <laughs> but it is the practice of the game. <clears throat> yeah. You know, so it, I think the the practice of golf at its core is to is to be able to walk into each shot with a clear intent so you're try you aren't you know it's not like you're not trying but you also have to have complete resignation yeah you know you can't be hanging on and that's the practice you know it's like um other things that you might do you know whether it's a yoga class or whatever you know sometimes with yoga people think well we think that um it's all about oh, i've got to get into the perfect positions and all the rest of it i mean i think the point of a yoga class is that you don't think for the whole class right <laughs> you know that's the real practice and then yeah. you, you know how good you're breathing and that sort of thing yeah yeah I don't, yeah yoga is just yeah, exactly just be in it mm. yeah yo golf doesn't have that right golf is be over there where the ball you want to go yeah to. who's the guy uh joe that you were talking about with Claude? dispenser dispenser yeah yeah dude i'm gonna go you got into it i'm going down that rabbit hole yeah you texted me you said i'm yeah. into it yeah. was it your you had never been introduced to this guy no um you know i'm into that that sort of yeah. thing I, I i did a lot of um reading around that sort of stuff many a few years ago and i've kind of dropped out of it a bit as i have my what, yoga and all so you've been so you so you what, what have you heard anything from joe dispenza that's clicked for you yeah i just think that um it's that it, it's it's meditation isn't it you know yeah. it's, it's 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 just being able to control uh your your mind but also you know in turn it's all one thing it's all it's your body and your mind and i think yeah. i really like that um so quite a lot of the players were working on that heart math stuff a while back. Yeah, um, a friend of mine was doing it and had uh, I think they had like a thing that you would put your thumb on in your pocket. Yeah, um, and it I used to connect to your ear. Yeah, it's and whatever, having watched yeah. um, uh, be the ball, yeah. I I was one of the crowd. You know, they did the early thing where you could commit to buy one of the focus band things. Yeah, so I did that. And I was wearing that. I was messing around with that thing all the time. I was yeah. wearing it under a bobble hat on the way to work. <laughs> Just trying to listen to whether I could get. Just trying to get in motion. Whether I could get there. Remember the noise? Yeah. What, yeah. It was like a sort of, yeah. Yeah. The 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 focus band. I got to check in with Jason. Um. So okay. So we can. I want to end with an image here. So like, um, you know, you've obviously played. Uh, have you tried to think about how many different golf courses you've played? No. Um. A friend of mine was asking me we we were we were chatting the other day and he said have we you know have we hit a million shots that's a good question a million i can't remember what the calculation was it was something like a, if, if you hit a hundred a day for i can't remember if it was about 15 years something <laughs> that's like a long that. time yeah i haven't hit a million there's yeah. no way there was one time where i hit uh 1500 golf shots in two days that 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 might have that might have helped, but I think it's like what and what what type of golf is your favorite golf? Because you know sometimes we've probably played a lot of the a, a lot of similar places, and yeah. you know there's places like Winter Park where we played today, uh, which I just love, and there's places like Shiskin, what an amazing place. Uh, Mac Cranish, I remember at Mac Cranish as well actually. Let's go, um, which, old Mac or old, old Mac Cranish? Yeah, I was yeah. a member of both for a while, but I was go, oh, dude. <laughs> I'm trying to cut back. 
Um, well, what I was going to ask so, you. So Matt Cranish is never in perfect condition. Yeah. But you don't care. No, you don't care. Um, and I, you know, I do have a soft spot for some of these amazing courses that are, you know, certainly in some, sometimes when I play really, really high end places in the US, I feel a bit nervous. Sure. I just feel like I'm going to do something wrong. And I've grown up in golf, yeah. you know, and I can't imagine how that That's feel. an American thing. And it's a staffing thing. Yeah. Honestly, it's a vibe thing. It's like yeah. you walk in and you're like, Wait, sorry, am I, is it okay if I come? I was invited, I yeah. think. Is that okay with you? Well, what I was going to say is, because when I think about you, I think about um, the, the pictures. When we first met, you showed me pictures from this journey you've just gotten back from, which involved uh, a dog, some tents, a Land Rover. So we've got the same dog, you know. A lot of, I know, oh, dog. I know. <laughs> I know we have the same dog. But I was thinking about, like, what's the course that you really want to play that nobody knows about, that you just kind of think about? It, there's gotta be one. Well, um, that, I've got, you know, at the place that you went, I've, got, I've put an itinerary together, Lofoten, Ooh. which, you know, just the, to play golf under the Northern Lights. It's magical. Did you get the Northern Lights when you were there? Yeah, yeah, we got our first night and then it got cloudy for the rest of the trip, but right. it, was, it was, the first night it was absolutely, no, sorry, we didn't get the Northern Lights. No, because we were there in the summer. Right. Northern lights come in the fall. Oh, okay. Because it's not dark. Yeah. Like the sun never even goes below the water. Yeah. Some of that stuff, um, I played, um, we played a, a match at uh, Faustabo. Never Faustabo, heard of it. Uh, Spell it, what? Faustabo is uh, F-A-L-S-T-E-R. Oh, I guess they played it on the new on the no laying up series they did for, for Scandinavia. Oh, so it's in Sweden. Yeah, okay. Southern Sweden. So you fly into Copenhagen. I didn't see that Bridge episode. Across. And I just they're just so cool. You yeah, know, some of those kind of Swedish courses. And what's cool about them is that there's there's a totally different golfing culture at the, those right. courses. You know, they're quite prestigious. I mean, Faustabo, there's like loads of guys there that are RNA members and all this stuff. You know, it's it's a really but they but they there's no um, there's no fuss. Right. You know, there's no dress code really nice food really right nice kind of scandy food you know and uh it's nice to go to places that just feel completely different right i really like the stuff you know when the, the um early days of adventures in golf when you did you remember when you did the the mumbai slum golf yeah when you just i do <laughs> when you just come across people that there is just this this kind of that's for me that's the true spirit of the game you know yeah. when people make that effort to, yeah. to be able to play yeah i mean he had a mural inside of his house that was the size of his kitchen you know like and he just loved golf and he and then he would walk across the street and caddy it yeah mumbai golf club yeah i i, I really want to go out to uh there's this uh, isn't there a golf course in the shetlands isn't it called walsey is that what it's called no wallacey is the um it's uh, in near liverpool isn't it uh no not that one then it's uh maybe uh starts with an s the Shetlands. There's, there's the one that they. Um, it's, it's the one. It's the northeast. It's the northernmost island in Scotland on the east. Orkney. No. There's or, there's one. At, I we wrote were, it down. That trip that we did around the north coast. We were supposed to go to Orkney. And we just had to cut it out. The itinerary was too aggressive. We were dying. Yeah. Have you played Dennis? No. Dennis is really cool. No. See, this is the part of the conversation where I get really excited. Yeah, Dennis is like, the. It's just like treasure maps. Yeah. And those courses that you find, yeah, in you know, just when you're just going along, and you know, when we when we did that trip, um, that trip was quite hard. It's quite, we, you know, last summer was a bit rough to be honest with you. And we did that. We had that trip, and we and 
then the open, it was great yeah. when you look back on it, it was great but it was hard you know we were camping most yeah. of the time um and we had all the drama with the schools with the hotel and yeah. trying to put that event together oh, yeah. and, you know you guys did was, a great job it was it was um yeah it was a bit stressy at times two floods i can't believe it um but um you know we would stumble across courses and we think we say to ourselves myself and james who we did it with um we drive past we 10 minutes out we're like we well we could skip this one we could just move on you know played played like one round already today and we would every time we would drive past this course and we go no we're playing that we're gonna play that you know we just yeah. see something about it that made us want to get out there yeah and you know isn't it great in scotland that you've just got all these honesty box golf courses that you oh, can yeah. turn up and play it's so cool have you played Dunaverty? yeah okay yeah i played down my favorite day one. is to play macranish in the morning yeah go to the pub have lunch and then just cruise on to danaverty about like five o'clock or something how good is danaverty it's so good it's, it's you've got to play it late in the day though, can you, you explain it to somebody listening because it's like it's not a golf course that you would recognize like not of course you wouldn't recognize it but it's not even it's not even a recognizable form of golf well firstly it's on that absolute tip of that peninsula isn't it yeah if, if you um there's a, I think there's a way that you could walk to it from Macrahanish, but it is complete that, oh, that bit. Yeah. There's no roads. Like a little four mile hike over a mountain pass. Yeah, you do. that could be tight. Yeah, but you're right. You totally have to go around. Yeah, and and the, the thing I love about courses like Dunavity is I feel like they were walked into existence. Yeah, do you know what sure. I mean? It's like it's and not it, mode. It's walked. Yeah, and if something got if, if there was a change, it would be discussed for 10, 20 years. You know, <laughs> shall we move that bunker? <laughs> You know, and there's something so nice about that. And it's and you really are kind of like entering into a small community of people's world. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 It's so special. And you're just sort of you you feel as you walk through the course, you you feel like it's been played for thousands of years and also no one's been here. Yeah. And then I mean you get to that bit a few holes in where you're right out by the sea. Yeah. And there's the caravan park. Yeah. You know, there's some little places, uh, sort of through the back of the third green it's the old uh, lifeguards coast guard place oh interesting you can rent those places if oh, you wanted wow. to go and have a Pro week tip. and really really you you were comfortable of having a week with yourself and your own thoughts that'd be a yeah. good place to do it and then you get all the way up on top of i think it's like eight nine or ten and you're at like the highest point like in yeah. what seems like the world and you're like looking back at this course you just kind of have been messing with for a little bit and yeah it's a wild wild special place the other course which um I think people don't talk about enough is the other course at Royal County Down. Angles and Annalsea Links. Oh yeah, yeah. I uh, I didn't play there. <laughs> that that place is it, it's it's Dunavity esque. Okay, but dramatic, like and and tough. You know, it's short. Yeah. Um, but it's it's tough. You know, there's there's some pretty se severe gorse around, okay. which is great fun. And there's something to be said for a course that's less than way way less than six thousand yards potentially yeah. even five thousand yards i mean we we played winter park today and it just is it's playable for everyone sure you could play Unless it on you have a bad short game yeah it doesn't have rough but it's just every hole when you step up there it's like okay you got to hit it here yeah you know and you you could be aggressive but you got to hit it it's an angles course yeah. and and i think one of the issues that I have is I think what we're what we're seeing at the moment, if, if you, certainly if you look at the pro game, is a game with a load less craft in it. Yeah, you know the the pros have been driven towards playing more and more modern golf courses, and this idea that they have to make them longer to contain the pros. Yeah, um, and there's just way less craft to what they to what they're having to do, and I guess it comes back to the equipment debate and all of this stuff. But you know, personally, I'm not just being a miserable old man here. 
I want to see those guys work a bit harder. You know, yeah. I want to see them using drivers which are, you know, under 400 cc's with a higher spinning ball. So they have to go down to eight degree loft and it all gets a bit squirrely. Yeah. You know, they're still going to be able to hit it 350, if they but they're right. going to have to nut it. Yeah. Right. And what we've got at the moment is we've got a generation of players who have just grown up hitting the ball as hard as they can. Yeah. And it's not, I'm not saying they're not great players, and I'm not saying that these guys couldn't adjust, but it's what we want to see. And I think it's, you know, allowing pros to sort of self-govern is a bit like letting banks self-govern you know Whoa. it's not going to end well you know Whoa. it's we we as amateurs you know pro when when sometimes when the pros come and play like um the open or whatever and you know got these great rna referees and because the, they're amateurs the pros are like oh you know we we don't we want to be governed we want to be refereed by by pros or people that are involved in the professional game whereas years ago you know it's, we're we're the punters right yeah we're the customers you know, we should be able to go, that's what we want to see. Yeah. But somehow we're not able to do that. Right. It's odd. Are, so are you saying that the fact that there's two sets of rules or there, there should be two sets of rules? It's not necessarily two sets of rules. It's just like, you know, it's like Formula One saying they're going to use a different spec of tires or something like that. It's, right. it's only, you're, you're creating tournament specifications. And actually, to be honest with you, I think it would free thing free things up for the manufacturers. Yeah. Um, because what would happen is, you know, rather than trying to get everyone to believe this sort of story of, you know, constant marginal gains, all of a sudden there would be loads of good players that would go, Do you know what? I want to use the I want to use the four hundred cc driver because you know because it's because it's cool it yeah. looks great and you know and I want to use the high spinning ball because it would just start to shift things in that direction. I think yeah. what happens is, you know, I've talked to a few people about this and it's like there's this there's this sort of anxiety from the equipment companies that somehow this is going to mean that um you know they they can't they, they it upsets this 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 constant product cycle right but this constant product cycle is not sustainable well and when you were getting into golf that didn't exist you know mark king from TaylorMade invented this thing where it used to be a new driver every two years and all of a sudden it was two drivers every year and that and that led to like i think they grew like 9x within the two years that they changed that yeah and then he eventually got and i think fired, put the, 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 the group the group of people <laughs> who are sort of slightly checked out from that you know it, it's it's interesting that um certain personality types cattle would be a great example sure. of this. you know cattle's good sportsman yeah um he's happy to kind of walk up to a golf he was a good footballer yeah. he's happy to walk up to a golf ball stick his left foot in the right spot and whack it with his right hand and you know he can hit great shots yeah you know he wants clubs that feel good he i wouldn't have thought he's read a you know a golf magazine in the last 20 years yeah and, you know he he's he's sort of impervious to all of that stuff yeah and it's not that he won't get excited about a golf club you know i could show him a club and he, and he can hit it and he's like, oh, i love that you know yeah you know the experience of hitting the shot with that club but that, so that luckily there are a load of people that sort of just get on with playing yeah um but there's probably also a load of people that would get a bit more engaged if it was pitched in a slightly different way so yeah. maybe it's an opportunity and not something that they should be so so scared of i can't believe we only met this year i know that's it's, crazy it's i just realized like we met this year but i just feel like we've been a part of the same like circle for i mean obviously we have but it's just so i was just like wait a minute like we've also hung out so many times and now like three countries that it's like oh yeah okay cool yeah. right that's well sound cool. has been a, a, a brilliant brilliant thing because um i'm into it you know I, yeah. I, I for me businesses are like it's it's 
it's you, you've got to love the business that you're going into yeah. because if you don't you know sometimes businesses don't go according to plan and you're <laughs> going to have to stick with it so you better love it and yeah. you know that's i think the reality of the situation and we've got such a great group of people and it's and it's it's sort of got me out of that box of just running my indoor golf centers you know and, right and um you know things like this and things like being at the open with you guys and it's, it's been brilliant so yeah. the group of people that have come together working with Kath or working with john you know it's um it's been great i'm excited about it well, i'm glad you came by man thank you thank you um make sure to uh what, what to, uh, that we'll put it in the description but the the preferred way to get in touch with you or to follow you is urban golf uh is We've got, so there's an Urban Golf Instagram, my Instagram, which is a bit niche, pictures of divots, <laughs> uh, is Urban Custom Clubs. Yes. And Sounder, what's our Sounder Instagram? Sounder Golf? Just Sounder Golf? Yeah. Yeah, well, check James out. And if you're in London, you must go to Urban Golf and, uh, and try to get in the bunker. Secret workshop tour. <laughs> Thanks again, man. Thanks, Eric.